La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille Hey, bonjour Rugby Friends and welcome to a new edition of French Rugby Connection podcast with moi, Véronique Landieu and... And my good self, Mike Pierce. How are you, Mike? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Another cracking weekend of, of rugby, although Sunday was a bit bereft of tries, but yeah, some fascinating matches, wasn't it? A very French weekend. I think I would have yeah. to start to singing a French song <laughs> soon. Well, things aren't that bad. <laughs> so, yeah, we had three French teams playing in the quarterfinal and semi-final. We have another three French teams. And what? Despite the fact that the French teams have been selected to play in the semi-final, it's not the first time, it's not the second time, it's not the third time, but it's the... Eighth time. <laughs> fourth no? time. Four. Fourth time. Fourth. That's three. Okay, okay. Yes, the fourth time. That's three French ha getting through the semi-final. So it happened uh, for the very first time in 1998 when Brive and Toulouse and Pau were to play against in the semi-final. 1999, Colomiers, former club of Gatier, Perpignan and Stade Francais. And in 2005, it was Toulouse, Stade Francais and Biarritz. And Only Toulouse won the European title in 2005. So it doesn't really make too much difference. Well, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping for a French winner, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But I would like to see an unusual suspect, either Bordeaux Bègle or La Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. We like the underdogs on this podcast. Yeah, I'd love to see La Rochelle because they have been a, a club that have come from nowhere in many respects and I just love the way they play I love I love the the atmosphere up there on the Bay of Biscay and it's away from the southern heartlands as well isn't it it's quite a unique unique setting so yeah 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 absolutely that, that would be very good so uh, talking about La Rochelle you're absolutely right that's the very first time they fought in the quarterfinal and very first time they're going to be playing in the semi-final against Leinster, however. So they, they met with Sale. What? I was slightly concerned because the new head coach of Sale is Alex, who used to coach Saracen, and as Saracen won three times the Champion Cup. So Alex got plenty of experience, but not obviously Sales. Second half, basically, La Rochelle was very, very strong in terms of attack and defense. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. And in terms of tries, there was a plethora of tries. Six tries, two tries scored by Raymond Roule, two by, one by Altrit and one by Lade. The first half was a bit slow, I thought. Yeah, definitely. As you say, um, La Rochelle came out, didn't they, with all guns blazing? Yes. Uh, right at the start of the second half and they, and they never took their foot off the throttle, really. Yes, absolutely. And kudos to the wonderful man from the former Saracen, Will Skelton. Yeah. Who was excellent yeah. in Deuxième Ligue. And let's not forget, La Rochelle has got loads of uh, French inter internationals. So they have... Absolutely, yeah. Uni Antonio with a prop number eight, Brice Dulin, Arthur Autier. So they, they you know, they've got some really yeah. good players. They've done yeah, really well. Yeah, Danny Priso, Kevin Gordon, all these guys that have played for the national side. Yeah, they're a very strong team. 
And we got, uh, you know, the magic of Ronan Ogara and Jono Gibbs. So it's a good partnership over there. Something good's happening in Les Maritimes. That's their nickname, by the way. We call them Les Maritimes. Yes. Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, Exeter and Leinster, that was a cracking game between two previous winners. Leinster came out on top, 34 Three tries each for Exeter. O'Flaherty scored two and Ewers. And for Leinster, Lowe and Jordan Lama scored two. Two penalties from Simmons and two two conversions from Simmons and a penalty. And Sexton and Byrne conversions for Leinster. And also five penalties from Byrne. And I think Exeter a bit, bit disappointing. It's certainly not up to their usual high standards. But Leinster are a tough side at the best of times and, and know their way around the knockout stages of, the, of this tournament pretty well. So a win for Leinster. Le- Leinster or Leinster, as I call them. You say yeah. Leinster or Leinster? Leinster is. Ah, yeah, Leinster. Leinster. Oh, okay. Oh, well. So I thought they were on fire. They were yeah. very, very powerful very to be aware of. However, Saracen did win against them last year. And I remember very well because Owen Farrell was injured during that game. So he, ha- he was replaced in the last minute by Alex Good. Yeah. And yeah. Alex Good was absolutely amazing as fly half. <laughs> and they won that game that everybody yeah. thought they would have lost. It was amazing. Absolutely, and then, you know, yeah. And then they played against uh, Racing and that was the end of, of the European journey, unfortunately, for Saracen. But uh, Saracen will be back, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm confident. So another game that I watched uh, was Bordeaux-Beg versus Racing 92 on a Sunday. Oh, gosh. Wasn't it, wasn't it a dreadful game? <laughs> yes. You fell asleep, did you? Well, I was praying it wouldn't go into extra time because I thought I, don't think I could stand over half an hour of this. I think the, 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 the French people are not very good at playing under the rain, I think. There were no Scottish or, <laughs> or Irish, I think, if you think yes. about Bordeaux. And, and Racing, Racing, they, are, they play on the cover. So it's, yeah, that's it's, true. It's not something yeah. they're used to. We are frogs at the end of the day. We should like the yeah. <laughs> wet weather, but <laughs> but it doesn't work out, I'm afraid. They would not be used themselves. But um, maybe it can be explained. Racing 92 had loads of the players injured. And also, within the first few minutes, Kamisha got injured. Yes, so he really, yeah. really dampened yeah, dampen the yeah. first row. And without Finn Russell as well, big, big blow to them. Exactly. A red card did during the match against France yeah. in the Six Nations. Yeah. So I think he's got one week left, I think. Yeah, I but think it's so, over yeah. now for over for Racing 92 for another year. The Blake, well, they, they fought hard. Kudos to one of my favorite players, Will. Mathieu Jalibert. Yes. yes, of course. He did really well. Yeah, a wonder kid. It's amazing. And if you watched that game until the end, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> he committed a foot in the last last two yeah, three minutes, but then he redeemed himself thanks to kicking that amazing amazing kick fifty five meters yeah. away. Yeah, cracker, wasn't it? It's a bit uh, unfortunate for Racing 92. Reminded me of the déjà vu of Racing 92 when they played against Saracen instead of Yves de la Manoir. Yeah, during the Champions Cup as well in, uh, I think it was in April 
18, if my memory is good. And the same happened, except it was with Bosch. I don't know how far it was, but in the, in the dying minutes. By the way, do you want to say dying minute in French? No, I don't. They use English for that. They call it the money time. Money time, okay. Yeah, I don't know why they call it that. The money time. I mean, don't worry, you... the Racing really blew that, didn't they? Because they, I, I thought they would have hung on for a draw <laughs> and gone into extra time, but brush of blood to the head and they, they gave that penalty away. I mean, Yes. Yeah, this sort of thing happens, unfortunately. He could have gone either way. Yes, yes. for 24-21 in the end. And following that, we had another mm-hmm. another penalty fest. Claremont 12, Toulouse 21. Worst possible start for Claremont. They lost uh, Camille Lopez, their fly half and playmaker, and really their main man after four minutes. And really, they never never recovered from that. And, and once again, dreadfully wet conditions at the Stade Marcel Michelin. Seven penalties to Antamak and four penalties to Para. Uh, that's really all you can pretty much say about the game. So, uh, yeah, Clermont 12, uh, Toulouse 21. And Clermont was in the same situation as Racing 92. Three times playing in the yeah. final, three times they lost. So it won't be there yet this year. But it's it's so refreshing to see La Rochelle and Bordeaux. And people have asked me, you know, La Rochelle, where do they come from? What's happening to them? But let's not forget they are currently ranked number two in the top 14. And they've got some really, really good players that we mentioned earlier. A lot of their players are international, play for the French oh, team. And they've got, uh, yeah. yeah, lots of experience from their coach from the Ogara. Ogara and, and Jono Gibbs. So well, yeah, it's and you know, a couple positive. of years ago, I was in Marseille for the top 14 semi-finals and uh, La Rochelle played Toulon on the Friday night and they only lost in the last minute to a drop goal from Bello. So they were very, very close to, to reaching the top 14 final. Then. And I just remember what a wonderful spectacle it was with it, all the La Rochelle fans in their yellow, sort of lining the streets of Marseille. It was a it was a brilliant sight. No, they're a they're a top top team. There's no question of that. Definitely. And Bordeaux. Let's not forget that Bordeaux before the season twenty got cancelled last year. I think it got cancelled yeah. around March. Bordeaux was in a pole position. Yeah. They were playing extremely well. So they are currently ranked number five. And Oyos is a man who doesn't mean his words. He's very straightforward. And they've got a good, strong team over there. They want to go all the way, of course. So that's very, very positive to see two between bracket northern teams. So La Rochelle, as we know, is not far from north. And 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 Bordeaux. If it becomes a a bit of a mystery, you've always got Poirot there at prop to sort it out, haven't you? Ah, exactly, of course. And let's not forget, Jefferson Poirot used to be the, the captain of the French team up until 2019. And in 2019, after the World Cup, he said, that's it. I want to, to focus 100% on yeah, Bordeaux. It's a shame. Oh, he's a very, the... very good player. Very underrated, in my opinion. Yes, but uh, can you imagine if he lift that cup? Yeah. That would be nice because, again, do you remember I said to you when the Bordeaux was playing, I thought that Racing 92 would have won, but I did mention hmm, one to watch is Bordeaux Bagel. Yeah, you, you say all these things. You say you, <laughs> you, you cover all your bases, don't you? 
no, anyway, that's what anyway, I mean. The semi-final lineup. Yeah. Now we've got Saturday the first of May. Toulouse are at home to Bordeaux, and that's at four o'clock. And then the following day on Sunday the second of May, La Rochelle against Leinster or Leinster as you call it at, at four o'clock. So two cracking matches in the in the Champions Cup. And I just want to mention the Challenge Cup because there was a French interest there at the weekend. Montpellier, they beat Benetton 31-25. Two tries for Palague, I think that's how you pronounce it. And Paul Willems got a try. A Boutier dropped goal and three penalties. Two conversions. Five penalties for Garbisi, the Italian fly-half for Benetton. But uh, Montpellier now march on the semi-finals and incidentally they reached the semi-final in 2016 and they went on to win it so they will play away to bath on saturday the 1st of may at eight o'clock in the challenge cup semi-finals and the day before on friday the 30th of april at 8 p.m leicester are at home to ulster and in case you missed the other results in the challenge cup leicester beat newcastle 39-15 Northampton Saints lost at home to Ulster 27-35 and Bath beat London Irish 26-13. Mm, I would love Montpellier to win because they've had such a difficult year. Yeah. So yes, I, I was very pleased. I sent a quick message to Philippe Saint-André to uh, congratulate on, on the win of Montpellier. So it's, yeah, and you never know with Montpellier, either they can play brilliantly or they can be not so great. So you you never know which which sense. My guess is, yeah, they could back the mm. win. But we'll see. In my opinion, they will win. But <laughs> so because obviously the top 14 is much more fierce than the Premier League, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Rugby friends, so today I'm really happy. I'm speaking with a man who fell in love with French rugby, who likes French rugby so much that not only he wrote a book about rugby legends, and his book is called Brothers in Arms, but he also lived and worked in France. And your French is better than mine, and even better than Pascal Honda. So let's go on a journey with you, David Beresford. Bonjour, Beres. Bonjour, bonjour, merci. Yeah, Pascal, well, he, as I said, he is, he's a Basque, right, Pascal? So he would admit that his French is his second language. And we'll come on and talk about Pascal because he was very central to the book. But I often get asked the question, you know, why, how did I think of this mad project, right, that, that in this book that took me 20 months to write, 150,000 words, 420-odd pages. There's a French version as well that was translated by the son of Olivier Villepreux, who French rugby fans will remember, uh, Pierre Villepreux, who was a great player and a wonderful coach. But it started really because I'd always, I'd lived in France a lot between 1986 and sort of 93. I taught there as English as a foreign language. I was an assistant en partiel, part-time teaching assistant, based in Avignon, and that's where it really started. I was 18 when I arrived, and I just fell in love with the culture, the food, the wine, the rugby. England rugby at the time in the 80s were really rubbish. France were the best team. Yes. France were the best team. They won six of the ten, five nations back then. So I just threw myself into it, and I fell in love with the whole place. 
And I always had this idea that I, I wanted to be one of the players. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an Eric Bonneval, a Denis Charvet. These were the, a Lechisquez, Serge Blanco. These were the best players, in my eyes, the best players in the world. Definitely the best players in the Five Nations. And I wanted to be one. Anyway, fast forward, after kids and we've grown up a little bit, and I had a bit of time back in 2017, and I went down to the Pyrenees and I thought, what this sort of genesis of an idea to go and meet all these players and write a book, I'm going to do it. And my advice to anybody is, when you've got a big project in mind, don't overthink it, don't overanalyze, because you'll never do it. Just have an outline idea, just do it, and you'll work it out as you go along, particularly if you've got a passion. So I came back to England and I thought, well, I need to test the idea. So I wrote this sort of beautiful email in French, using all my best French, and I tracked down by the internet Jean-Pierre Yves, Eric Jean, Didier Cordonieu, Serge Blanco, Laurent Rodriguez, Pascal Andartz. And I just sent them an email. This was a Sunday evening in October 2017. And on Monday morning, I get this number that comes up on my phone. And it's a French number. And I'm eating my toasted marmite. And it was like, Allô, bonjour, des leader. C'est Jean-Pierre. You're Jean-Pierre Yves. You just called me up. Cool, right? So he said, of course I'll do it. We're all a big rugby fraternity, aren't we? And that was the start of it. So, <clears throat> and then Pascal was the other guy who came in and said, I'd love to meet you, Serge. Yeah. So I, nobody said no. So I booked my first trip down to Biarritz. I thought, well, I'd base myself there for a start. And I met Pascal, who just is the social bloom of that whole rugby era, really. I'd say him and Laurent Pardot. Laurent Pardot is a less well-known player, but a real centre of the community, lives in Ondale, which is just south of Biarritz. So those two really, and Serge as well, just put me in contact with everybody. Mm-hmm. It was easy. Um, and just sort of funny little anecdote was I was chatting. I had a magnificent lunch with Serge that I explained in the book, a three-hour lunch, big lunch. Serge is a big eater. I'm a big eater. We had a big lunch. Mm-hmm. And we were chatting away, and towards the end, Serge said to me in French, obviously, he said, David, which numbers don't you have yet? Who haven't you contacted? And I said, well, actually, there are five. There was Charvet, Cambrabero, Dubrocker, Seller, and he just looked at me and he just said, David, tu vas voir comment ça marche en France. Ah oui, tout à fait. Yes, exactly. This yeah, is, how we, this is how we do things in France. Yes. He picked up the phone and he yeah. called them all. Yes. And he spoke to them <laughs> yeah. and he said, he introduced me, but yes. he was funny. He said, this, this guy said he was a centre, but I reckon he was a tie head prop. <laughs> Sort of, and obviously Serge is a big boy, right? Yes. So he said to he said to Daniel Dubrocker, Daniel, David will be your tie head, I'll be your loose head, we'll be a magnificent front row. Anyway, yeah. that's how it started, um, yeah. or continued, I should say. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you get a phone call from Serge, who is utterly revered by all mm-hmm. players, they're going to connect with you. So Dennis called me the following day. Mm-hmm. Philippe's, uh, Daniel Dubrocker called me the following week and said, David, how do you fancy a dinner in Agen? Mm-hmm. with me, Philip Seller, and Daniel Ebani in a top restaurant. And I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Let's do it. So it just, this thing just builds and builds and builds. I started off with an idea of selecting 20 players in my sort of dream squad, and it ended up being 33. I've got a very tolerant wife. <laughs> going back to France. But you just, what I realized is you've got to connect with these players quickly. I think the fact that I was English, but spoke French, lived in France, knew more about their rugby than they did, knew more yes. about the, the, re, the French products and wine and food than they did. I think that was a bit of a fascination for me. It was like, this is, it was just like, we thought we hated the English, but this guy's okay. This is, they were having to sort of 
check their understanding and their own perceptions of the of the English, I think. And and it went, we, and that's how it happened. That's where it started. I loved every minute of it. It was magnificent. And what a, what a great story. And what I really, really like as well is that you divided your book per region. So we start, yeah. it's like a, being on a journey. So we start by the Basque country. And from the Basque country, obviously, you had the famous, the le legend Serge Blanco, Jean Condome, uh, Pierre d'Hospital, Patrice Logisquet, etc., etc. Then we yeah. have the mountains, the southwest, Paris, Mediterranean, Provence. So yeah, it's it's not only a travel about rugby, but it's a travel about its culture, its food, yeah. its wine. And I think the 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 somebody asked me the other day again, how did you decide what to put in the book? And I think this was a really self indulgent project. I wrote a book that I wanted to read, right? And I had quite a lot of agents call me up saying, mm, you don't want to do that. You want to do this. And I was like, no, I don't. I want to do what I want to do, right? I'm, there's so much crap in newspapers around rugby, which I'm just not interested in reading. There are certain writers I'll follow avidly, definitely, particularly like past players that write because they've got a particular insight. But then I also love actually people like Stephen Jones, right, because Stephen's a bit controversial as well and, is, is, and, and writes well. But I just wanted to write a book that I wanted to read. And whilst the, the book is about rugby players, it's not just about rugby, as you've picked up, Bill and you. This is about, this is a journey of life. It's part dialogue, part travelogue, part chronicle. But I really wanted to get to know the players. I'm really interested in people. I wanted to know what the players were like today. What were they doing? What did they think? And I was so interested in them as human beings. And you build very, very strong relationships as you do that. But of course, a big part of their life is food and wine. And a big part of my life is food and wine. And I wanted, that's why I've interjected it with the stories that span kind of my lifetime of traveling, working, living, playing rugby in France as well. So that's why I put the thing in there about bullfighting. I mean, bullfighting to the people that live in the southwest of France is not particularly an interesting story, maybe. But for the Brits and maybe the English speaking world, it's a pretty unique sport, if you like. And I wanted to write about that. And I had this great memory of going to Nîmes back in 1991, I think it was. So I wanted that to be the book. I wanted my experience of going to three wine domains that I love, Trévalon, Gourmontens and La Grange des Pères. I wanted those personal experiences to be in the book. Le Déjeuner des Interdits, The Lunch of the Forbidden. That's, this, this is what I want to write about because it's not just a book about rugby, it's a book about the journey of life in France and its culture. And that's what I'd fallen in love with 30 years ago. Maybe even 40 years ago, I can't remember now, I've lost track of time. But, uh, and, and also the history, places like the Basque Country are fascinating places to go and spend time. You know, I, I've got a love affair, particularly with Provence as well, because I lived there. But then I love Paris, that was a really important part of my life when I was in Paris in 91, 92. So lots of interesting things, which I hope, I hope there's something for everybody in the book. Absolutely. And do you think in 30 years' time, you might want to write a book about Antoine Dupont, Romain Tamac, <laughs> Gregory Aldrit? Well, or... <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I, was, I, I think there's... I, I, this was the greatest French era, the greatest first French era. I think there was another great French era under Ibanez, Galtier. I think in the late 90s, they won was it the Grand Slam in 97, 98. Interesting enough, when... Villepreux and Scala were coaches. And then I think there was also another great era, different style of rugby, very different style of rugby under 
Zip La Porte, sort of 2010 on that sort of era as well. Yes, yes. It was also very good. So, but I think the, the, the 80s, there was something pure and, and it was just the amateur era. It was sort of innocent, pure, unadulterated champagne rugby, even though the forwards were still bullies and brutes mm-hmm. behind. They, Jacques Ferru mixed this Beauty and the Beast. And I think, actually, that is what Rafael Benez and Gautier are doing now. I think they've got some beautiful players in that French side, but they've also got some absolute machines up front. And I really hope, I would love to see France, I would love to see France win the World Cup in 2023. It's a good time. Even as an Englishman. Because I think they're they're so passionate about the rugby and I just love to, we just do so much for French rugby as well. They got finally three times, three times. Yeah. They got to the final, yeah, yeah, yeah. so three times the bridesmaid. That's about time for them to become the the wife yeah. now. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, it would be fantastic. And you know, I'd love Ibanez as one of the most impressive guys in rugby as well. I'd love to see Rafa be successful, and, and just for the whole country. And of course, there, I think after South Africa, France is the second most support. There are more rugby fans in France anywhere else in the world, with the exception of South Africa. Mm-hmm. So it is full of French sort of rugby fanatics. And it's growing in popularity as well with the RWC 2023. And also female rugby is growing. There's more interest into French rugby thanks to the golden generation from the likes of Dupont, Tamac, Aldrit, yeah. Olivon. So there's very much uh, an enthusiasm, an engouement for, uh, for the yeah. new generation, which we haven't known. Yeah. I don't know, since, like you were saying, the era of Gantier, because bet- what happened between 2011 and 2019 wasn't very pretty for various reasons. But uh, C'est la vie, but nice. I starting, they had a hiccup in between in that time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's nice to see they've, La Renaissance. They've got, they've got to find this blend of, of playing tough rugby up front, you know, hard rugby. You watch players like Marchand play in Chat, Olivant. These these are really hard players, right? And they're super skillful. They're great rugby players as well. They're not just physical beasts. Yeah. I watch Marchand play and Cher. I think they are possibly the two best hookers in the world right now. And they're both, you know, vying for the same place. Okay, Cher's just got injured. But mm-hmm. I think Marchand is sensational as a player. Yes. You know, but so I think what I think what he's doing now is he's picking tough men who are also great rugby players. And he's got this this sort of brawn and, and this graft and craft, this sort of brute force and this skill behind. And that, for me, was the essence of the 80s team and why the, why the team was so successful. And, of course, you've got to pick the best team. Selection is important. You've got to have great management. But I think between Ibanez, Gautier and Sean Edwards, that is one crack team, perfectly blended. Absolutely, absolutely. And finally, where can we get uh, Broden in, in Arms? You know, I was saying to you earlier, it's a perfect, perfect book, you know, for Father's Day or for anybody who loves rugby. It's a piece of art. It's very yeah. heavy. It's good for my abdominal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a FI size, beautiful to- photography, beautifully written. Written yeah. with lots of love. Michel Roux is a massive fan of rugby. You know, he supports Queens. But uh, if if it was a dish, it would be a Michelin. Three stars Michelin dish. <laughs> because it's nice. exquisite. Well, he's got a copy, actually. He's got a copy. Uh, he, he's got a signed copy from it. I mean, you can buy it on, on Amazon. Yes. Um, if some people really don't like Amazon, they can just contact me. I'm on social media. I've got a website called www.brothersinarmsbook.com. Okay. .co.uk. So they can send me an email there if they. I've got. I, I can sign copies. 
I've actually got a few copies left side by Sean Fitzpatrick as well. Oh, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got some of those. So they can get it there. And, and I would say as well, just in terms of the players, people say, God, it's such a big book. Give me your sort of top three or four players or articles, which is tough because it's a bit like, bit like writing about your children, right? You love them all dearly, but they're different. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think players like, I think I love writing. I mean, Pierre Dospital was just magnificent to me. And I thought all the Basque, I loved all the Basque, but Pierre Dospital, Dots just for their, they've got such rich heritage and they're such interesting people. Mm -hmm. Laurent Pardo for humour. One of the funniest men I've ever met. Constantly, constant banter, constant leadership. Just wants to, he's just a, a lover of life long. Big leader of the French barbarians. Denis Charvet, because he went through terrible times post-playing, trying to sort of reacclimatize back into the real world. Dennis had a really tough time, but he's a magnificent guy. I love him to bits and just came through tough times and is very well established now. And then I think there's sort of a couple in there. Jean-Pierre Reeve, of course, funny guy, super clever. Spent the whole day with Jean-Pierre Reeve, chit-chatting about life and all this funny. You know, he's very philosophical. And then you've got a couple in there as well, which are sort of more very emotional. But there's one in there by a guy, on a guy called Pierre Lacan. And I went to meet his mum. Pierre died in a car accident. Right. And he's in the loved and lost one section. Right. And I write about four players who have died, actually. Pierre Lacan, Papa Rambord, where I went to meet his wife, Valérie. And I went to meet his son, Jean-Baptiste. And I went to meet the brother of Armand Vaquerin, who killed himself playing Russian roulette in 1993. And I went to meet Elie's brother. But Pierre Lacan was sort of the most sort of emotionally charged interview because I didn't want to write about these players just based on information I could get from the internet, I wanted to go do some primary research and meet members of the family. And Pierre Lacan was um, a magnificent player for Bézier back in the 70s and early 80s and got killed in a car crash in 80, 85. And I went to meet his mum through a good friend of mine who introduced me. So it depends what you like. If you want food stories, there's something in there for you. If you want emotional stories, go to the Lost Lo section. If you want funny stories, go and see Laurent Pardo. Marc Session, terrible tragedy shot his wife dead, served time in jail. Terrible, terrible story. But he was an incredibly supported, wonderfully supported by the likes of Pascal Ondaatz, who said to me, we can never forgive Mark for what he did, but he's a human being and we have to support him. And I think that whole camaraderie and fraternity, I think, expresses itself very well around Mark. Yes. It's such a beautiful book. Huh? And for our listeners, it's really easy to read as well. What I'm saying is not reams and reams and reams of, uh, of pages. We're talking about maybe one, two, three, four, with some beautiful pictures per, per player. So you can read that. It's, you don't have to, you can pick up any players that you wish. There is no yeah. right or wrong. I love it. Is there a player that you would have really have liked to speak with, but you missed him or? No, I no. mean, I, I got them all in the team, really. I mean, I don't think anybody missed out. I mean, I could have picked Laurent Cabane. People said to me, why isn't Laurent Cabane in the team? But you had to have played for France in the 1980s. And Laurent didn't get picked till 1990. I think he would have got picked, but I think he was injured the year before. So Laurent Cabane would have been a good guy, but he didn't meet the criteria. But actually, what I did is that even the players that didn't get in my, didn't play in the 80s, but I wanted to meet, I, I got them in the book anyway. André Boniface, Jean Mazou, Pierre Villepreux, Daniel Herrero, I mean, Rafael Benez, right? I just picked up the phone, I'll, by hook or by crook, yes. as we say in English, I got in to meet yeah. those players and yeah. had wonderful meetings. I mean, Joe Mazzo, they're all just great people, right? They're just 
warm-hearted, mm-hmm. lovely, old-fashioned amateur rugby players. Mm-hmm. And they played for love, and it was all about loyalty to the local team. And it's a real throwback. I mean, I know life's not like that anymore, and rugby's not like that anymore, mm-hmm. but, but they were all great to me. So I can't think of one, really. There's, there's others in other eras, of course, that I'd like to meet. But I get invited down to this wonderful event in the Pyrenees every year by a guy who used to be the managing editor, Le Midi Olympique. And he became a politician down in the Ariège, which is, I'm sure, is a very unpopulated département. And he invites me down to this big event, which is a big festival about a friendship and rugby. So this event is full of, it's got about 500 people there. So you get loads of old players going down as well. Garouet, Esteve, Scala was there last year. Richard Astra, he was one of the great Bézier players of the 70s. I sat next to the big second row, to Captain Toulouse, whose name's just escaped me. Got 110 caps for, for France. Played in that sort of 2010 era. Pelouse, Fabien Pelouse. Sat next to Fabien. There was a guy opposite me, he played for France in the 70s who I hadn't heard of, but he got about three or four caps. But he, me, him, just loads and loads of players yes. that beat me down there. And they're all, they're just warm. They're just great guys, you know. It's a great rugby family. Well, it's been lovely to speak with you. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. your book. I highly recommend it. And yes, we, we can buy it either on Amazon or on, on your website, which is again... www.brothersinarmsbook.co.uk Yes. But I'm on, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter... I've got a Facebook page, so yes. David Beresford, you'll find me. David Beres, Brothers in Arms, you'll find me. Thank you, Dionne, for your time. You're yeah, very much welcome. Thank you. Bye. Au revoir. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Ciao, bye. Women Six Nation. Yes, last weekend, two big defeats or and or two big wins, whichever way you look at it. England beat Italy in uh, Parma, 67-3. And poor Wales, they were, well, absolutely hammered at home, 45-0 by Ireland. So Wales haven't scored a point, a single point in two matches. So it's a, it's a dark times for them. England, they're already through to the final on April the 24th. And this weekend, France, they face Ireland in Dublin on Saturday. And if France win that game, well, then they will go through to the final and face England at the Stoop. Another game on Saturday, the other women's game is Scotland against Italy. And that's on Saturday at 5pm. So as we've spoken in the past, England and France rising to the top as per usual. But Ireland looked looked very, very useful against Wales, I have to say. I know Wales were poor. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on with a home game against France on Saturday. I think that'll be an interesting game to watch. So, Mike, how do you explain the poor form of the Welsh team? Because knowing that the Irish are amateurs as well, like the Welsh, so they are on the same parity, on the same level. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know, but there's something not quite right with Welsh women's rugby, and I can't quite put my finger on it. There's, there's an awful lot of secrecy behind the scenes. Roland Phillips left, the previous coach, those of us who know exactly why, but that we wouldn't be able to say it on air before the fear of slander, etc. And then just before the tournament started, Rachel Taylor, one of the great Welsh internationals, resigned from her coaching role there. And there's been no reasons given. So there is something not quite right there. And there just doesn't seem 
I don't know. I, I don't think it's anything to do with the players. I think behind the scenes, there's something wrong and I, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, so hopefully they can regroup themselves and try to become a, a, a better team. But were they good in the past, the Welsh team? They've been. They have beaten England in the past and, and maybe things will turn around. But unfortunately, as... As they improve, as Wales, teams like Wales and Ireland improve and get more professional, the professional teams like England and France also improve. So the gap, if you like, is constantly maintained with each group getting slightly better. So our next topic, Mike, is... Top 14. Is... Exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, back. We missed it, haven't we? What's it been a week? Two weeks. So yeah, exactly. That's so... longer than the gap you get between the seasons. Two weeks in the top fourteen. It's all local derbies, or well, as local as you can get in the top fourteen. So there's going to be plenty of far and brimstone. Um, and what's the phrase I use? Niggly. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Friday night, home to Bayonne, and then on Saturday, Castra, always renowned for being very gentle and pleasant. They're at home to Toulouse, Claremont at home to Brive, La Rochelle home to Lyon, Montpellier, they entertain Toulon, so that'd be great for Guillaume Girardo meeting his old mate. Racing, they're at home to Stade Francais, that sort of Parisian derby, and then Agen face Bordeaux, so that's going to be a really niggly weekend, I think. <laughs> Very good. I can't wait. It's going to be very, very interesting. Especially, you know, I am impatient to watch uh, Racing 92 versus Stade yeah. Francais Paris. Be that will be a, 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 a good one. Absolutely. So we'll be back for some more uh, Top 14 summary yes, next we'll week. Yes, we'll be back to our day job. <laughs> the Pro BD2 will take place, the final place quite, quite shortly. Quite yeah, soon. in Montpellier. Yes, which is a bit one because the clubs that are playing against are yeah. Van. Van is based as in Brittany, in Le Morbihan. And the distance between Van and Montpellier, the stadium GGL, where the, uh, the final for the Pro D2 will take place, is 850 kilometers. <laughs> and the distance between Perpignan to, to Montpellier is only 160 yeah. kilometers. So I can tell you that uh, les Bretons are really not happy. Yeah, so I'm I hoping bet. that uh, uh, I'm hoping that a Breton billionaire will offer his private jet for the van team to travel to Montpellier. Yeah, now that would save lots of tiredness. But can you imagine doing that that journey by bus? But anyway, we'll say there were a few discussions online in terms of why Montpellier, but apparently that's what yeah, was decided know, wait, by by I the league. I mean, even if they played it in Paris or somewhere, that would be a bit. Would that be yeah, fair to be honest so. with you? I can't really see for Paris. It's the best place. I think it's fair. That's the capital yeah, of yeah. Paris, and would have been good. We could have played in Jean Stade Jean Bois, for instance. Or in, the, in between, in, in Bordeaux, for instance, which is more, more or less halfway, but Paris would make more sense. But Why not play the double header with the top 14 final? You know? play, on a, or play on the same weekend, have the top 14 on a f uh, Saturday and the Pro Day de on the Friday. It'd be a great weekend, wouldn't it? It will. Wow, rugby fest. 
That would be so nice if we could go there, but oh well, maybe next year. So, and I really would like to see Van, you know, to be yeah, part of the top region next year. It would be great for that region to have a, a top rugby presence, wouldn't it? It'd be fabulous. Definitely. I will have to do my dance outside, my yes, Celtic exactly. dance. Yes, exactly. Yeah, with your bagpipes. And... <laughs> <laughs> we oh, don't, don't have any back okay. five in okay. Brittany. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> any other business? Yeah, I've my got friend. a bit of British Lions news. Firstly, I can say I don't think they'll be taking an official hairdresser with them this, this <laughs> time. <laughs> Because the four coaches that were announced on uh, uh, a couple of days ago have the same, I was going to say problem as me, but it's not really a problem. The same features as me in the, in the fact that they are bald or have very short yeah. Very short hair. Yeah, but if you look at, at Sean Connery and uh, Kojak, no, yeah, you well, know. They always say it's an intelligence okay. thing. They say grass yeah. never grows on a busy street. <laughs> So there you exactly. <laughs> and what my father, simple as my father is bald. He lost his yeah. hair in his thirties. So he used to have. He used to comb his hair in on one line, one side. He did the parting, yeah, and so then somebody, he stopped somebody brain, told me so. about baldness. He said, it's, "I'm not bald. It's just a solar panel for a sex machine." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, the coach has been selected as a tack coach. Robin McBride, the Leinster forwards coach. And former Wales forward coach is obviously going to take charge of the forwards. Steve Tandy will also take charge of the forwards. Scotland coach, former Ospreys coach and legendary Welsh fly half Neil Jenkins will be the kicking coach for, I think, about the second or third Lions series. So, I mean, the Lions series is set to go ahead, but there's obviously all sorts of doubts at the moment. But as we speak now, the Lions tour will go ahead. In South Africa, they will be quarantined for yeah. two weeks before playing. But it's a South African team, you know, the, the box yeah, have been played since uh, November. That's right, that's Incredible. right. So they need some some proper some proper games. So I'm I'm, yeah, ple- I'm pleased that, for them. That's November but, you know, 2019, not November 2020. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. But most of the players play for yeah. French teams or English teams. So <laughs> or yeah, Cell. Yeah, exactly, Cell is yeah. a new Saracen. The, the, the new Safa team with Faf de Klerk and Yes. So that, that's interesting. And okay. I've got some news for you. This morning was announced by EPCR, which is the European Body League. Yeah, yeah. They've announced the 15 players that have been nominated uh, to become best okay. player. So last year, you may have remembered, it was Sam Simons. You know how many French? I would say half, probably seven, eight. Not bad, six. Okay. So I'm going to tell you yeah, who I they are. So obviously, so, yeah, yes. So Grégory Aldrit, yeah. then Antoine Dupont from Toulouse, of course. Julien Marchand from Toulouse. Okay, yeah, yeah. Romain Tamac from Toulouse. Okay. And from La Rochelle. Good selections, yeah. If yes, the others from from is it Leinster? Leinster rugby. Yeah, I think he is with Leinster. Or is he Munster? One of the two. You get. Monster? Get, no, it's not a monster. That, no, it's a Leinster. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Ty- a no. What Ty- I was saying. It's a <laughs> yes. No, it's no, no. It's definitely. I wanted to check my pronunciation. So you say Leinster? Leinster yeah. 
Leinster. Yeah. Oh, okay, Leinster okay. rugby. I have to say that. To, I would have to say that to my French journalists uh, <laughs> over <laughs> the media because they call it my Leinster, I think. Kevin Gourdon, uh, uh, La Rochelle. Oh, a big fan. Robbie Heinshaw from Leinster. Yeah. Hugo Keenan from Leinster, from Clermont. And Will Skelton from La Rochelle. And Josh van der Flyer from Leinster. So plenty of players from La Rochelle and, and Toulouse. That's very positive for the French team. French lesson. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot about the French lesson. Yeah, so we'll see whether you listen to me. How do you say the dying seconds in French? Well, it's actually in English. I, was, I said that I to you earlier. Oh, dear. Dear. <laughs> it's gone right on my head. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> <laughs> Typical <laughs> man, that's what I can say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dear. Dear. Oh, and by, and by the way, question card. <laughs> what? Yeah. You did what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said to my husband. Selective hearing. Absolutely. It's essential, isn't it? <laughs> So I hope you enjoy our French Rugby Connections podcast with moi, Veronique Landu. Mike and... Pierce, and we hope you all have a smashing weekend uh, with plenty of rugby. Hopefully you get plenty of sunshine as well. Now the snow is gone. And uh, have a great weekend and join us next week. And don't forget to subscribe to Absolutely. our podcast, which is released every Thursday at 6 p.m. If you subscribe our podcast via Apple or Spotify, you usually get the, the podcast a bit earlier. Is, tell me, is, is the Apple site called POM in French? Okay. No. Just wanted to check. <laughs> that would be strange. I would, have you have you vu ma POM? On that uh, note, au revoir. <laughs> bye. <thanks>. Au <laughs> revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac pic-pac, pic-pic Glou, glou, glou font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille